Good morning. I want to welcome you all to the Crossings Church. Um, let's be clear real fast. Uh, when I ordered a Lalawas shirt, I ordered him two sizes too small, so it made me feel like I was bigger. Um, that's why it's so tight on you, bro. I'm just joking. I'm just a tall, skinny dude. <laughs> um, yeah, I want to welcome everybody to Crossings Church. When, when somebody chooses to place membership at our church or... Um, or surrenders are left to Christ, we like to acknowledge that. And this last week, Donna Carpenter, uh, come on up, Donna. She here? She's not here? Oh, she's not here. So we're going to say this for next week, and you guys can applaud again next week because I want her to be here when that happens. Um, but uh, we're still excited for her nonetheless. We'll just save that excitement for another week. Um, you guys got to hear Mike uh, talk about a scripture in Acts 28. And for some of you guys, you've finally seen the voice. <laughs> Mike usually says a lot of scriptures from the back, and I wanted to have him on stage today. Uh, so now you know what, that, what the body looks behind the voice of that, uh, of that deep-voiced man, that deep-voiced, beautiful man. <laughs> um, but so we're, we're, we're actually starting a new series today, and um, I wanted to... Read that aloud, um, because I've been tasked this, this morning with giving you guys the vision, essentially, of what we are going to be doing for our church for the next year. Um, we are starting a new series, and if you guys were at our banquet, or if you guys have been uh, attending over the last couple weeks, you'll know that we, every year, select a new theme for our church to focus on and to get our, our congregation to... Uh, to rally around so that throughout the year we cannot just come and listen to sermons or we cannot just go to our small group meetings or do whatever we do throughout the week, but that we can have a vision of what we want to cast throughout the year and reflect back on that at the end of the year. And so this year, our theme is to be continued. And we pull that out of the book of Acts because when you look in the book of Acts and you see in the book of Acts, there was a church that started in Jerusalem. And this church that Jesus and the apostles started in Jerusalem was very small to start, and it had a small group of members that, that created the congregation. And in a small amount of time, just the story in the book of Acts is chronicled about this church and what they did to grow. And what we want to do this year, this, this year as, a, as a church is essentially continue that story. Because the book of Acts, a lot of Bible scholars believe that that church essentially at some point grew to close to or over 50,000 members in this congregation. There was over 50,000 believers that chose to come to Christ and change their lives because of what that small church with Jesus and his disciples created in Jerusalem. It even got to the point uh, in, in verses Acts, er, in Acts verses, um, 17, 6, that there were people that weren't even Christians that came in and said, this church is turning this world upside down. So the, what this church was doing was not just noticed by the church. It wasn't just noticed by the people in that time. It wasn't just noticed uh, by whose lives it was changing. It was noticed from the outside as well. And we deeply strive to be a church that not just is changing the community in the context of the people who show up in our building, but the people in our community as well. That's the kind of church that we want to be known for. And so what we're going to try to do this year and this week um, is look at this outline and figure out what it is to look like a church that can be turning the world upside down and what we can be doing as a membership to achieve that. But the reality is, is that if we want to continue the story like it does in the book of Acts, if we want to jump right back in and just create another generational cycle that says, hey, we are learning from Acts and we're learning from this church and now we are that church that our kids and that our grandkids can look back and say, you remember when the Crossings Church back in 2023 started something different? They changed a cycle. They broke cycles. They started something new. That's what we want to be. For that to happen here at our church, it's going to have to take an individual effort. It's not going to be a vibe or a culture of a, of a tagline to be continued the Crossings Church it's going to take an ownership of each and every member within this congregation to say, if, if we want to continue the story, then I must continue the story. If we want to be a church that makes change, then I have to be an individual that makes change. And so 
that is our goal this year. And if you guys are just hearing this for the first time, I'm glad you're here. You know, I'm glad that you guys are visiting with us. I'm glad you guys are seeing what we're trying to model this year because today's kind of more of a is kind of more of a church sermon than it is in than it is a an every single person individual. But the reality is, is that for it to be a church sermon, it has to be an individual sermon. So you might listen to the sermon and say, oh, this is just for a church. But the reality is, is the church is each and every one of us. And so as we walk through this, don't just, don't just take yourself out. Don't just minimize your effect or your impact on what the church is if you're not even a part of it, because this is a call for every single person who wants to have a relationship with God and what we must do to be able to continue the story in our lives. So let's jump in. So what we're going to talk about today is just a couple things for this to be continued, what we must do as a church, which also translates to what I must do as an individual. And we're going to go back through Acts 28 like Mike had read, and we're going to pick apart this whole story so we can, we can see at the end how it culminates to our theme verse for the year in Acts 28, 30 and 31. So for us to continue this story, first and foremost, I must become... Um, making sharing the gospel my greatest priority. I must make sharing the gospel my greatest priority. So we're going to pick up right where Mike started in Acts 28, verses 17 through 19. It says, Three days later, Paul called a meeting of the Jewish leaders, so they came. Paul said to them, My brothers, I have done nothing against our people. I have also done nothing against what our people of long ago practiced, but I was arrested in Jerusalem. I was handed over to the Romans. They questioned me. And they wanted to let me go. They saw I wasn't guilty of any crime worthy of death, but the Jews objected, so I had to make an appeal to Caesar. It wasn't that I had anything against my own people. You see, Paul essentially is recreating what happened with Jesus. Paul is, is sharing the gospel, and people aren't liking it. And so Paul gets put under some, some convictions, and Paul has to go and, and essentially defend himself because of himself sharing the gospel. And what a lot of people didn't know at this time is that Paul was trying to get convicted by these Jewish leaders and he asked to go see Caesar to make an appeal. And the reason he did that was because Paul was born Jewish but was a Roman citizen because he worked in the Roman government. And so whenever he chose to appeal in front of Caesar, there was a law set in place that protected Roman citizens a lot more, uh, a lot more strictly to not just essentially give death or false accusations right off the bat. So Paul kind of slips out of this, like, you know, if you, if you know the story of Paul, this is kind of like a place where he kind of gets away, you know, he kind of gets away with it. And if you know that Paul gets himself more and more trouble throughout, throughout Scripture, but this is a way that he kind of slid, he kind of slid himself out of this one. He's like, they didn't really know, but like, I went and appealed before Caesar, and I got off the hook on this one to a, to a certain extent. And I think that's important to know because at this point in his life, he could have went somewhere else. He could have been like, man, they do not like me here. Let's find somewhere else to talk. Let's find somewhere else to share the good news. But that's not what he does. He comes back and he, and he says, and, and we'll pick up in verse 20. It says, I share Israel's hope. And so he's sitting here talking about these, he's talking about his people. He says, I share your hope. That's why I'm held with this chain. So I've asked to see you and talk with you. They replied, we have not received any letters from Judea about you. None of our companions who came from there has reported or said anything bad about you. But we want to hear what your ideas are. We know that people everywhere are talking against those who believe as you do. At that time, even more people came to the place where he was staying. From morning until evening, he told them about God's kingdom. And so... He's stuck there for a little bit, obviously, but he's in a position that he can still talk. He's in a position that he still has influence. And what he chooses to do with that time is to not waste it on trying to defend himself. It's not wasted on him just trying to clear his name, but he uses what's going on in his environment to advance God's kingdom still. And my question to our church and my, and, and my challenge to us as individuals is what do we do when we get ourselves in environments just like Paul has? When we get ourselves stuck in a job or stuck in a college class or stuck in relationships and friendships where we start to make like a, a, a relationship with God known that this is what we do with our lives and we get rejection just like Paul did. Do we look at those environments and do we say, 
you know, like this probably is not the best environment for me to be talking about this stuff anymore. I should probably find somewhere else to go. Uh, this isn't the safest place anymore. These people are going to start being mean to me and accusing me and, and judging me and looking at me differently. Do we choose to run in those windows or do we choose to stand firm and continue because we say, hey, you know what? There's not really much you can do to me here because like this isn't really my home. I'm going to continue to fight. I'm going to continue to say the truth. I'm going to continue to do what God has called me to do in the first place. And that's the challenge I think that we're going to need to accept and adopt here at the Crossing Church this next year. If we're going to be people who continue the story, we can't be afraid of the environments that God has put us in. We can't be afraid of the people that God has surrounded us with. We can't be afraid of the hurt and the lost world around us. Paul wasn't. And because of that, he was able to build this church to where it needed to be. And he did that because he loved these people. Listen to this in Romans 9, 2 through 3. This is way, you know, way later down the road. Paul talks about this and he says, I am not lying when I say that my conscience and the Holy Spirit are witness. It may sound extreme, but I wish that I were lost, cursed, and totally separated from the anointed, that it would change the eternal destination of my brothers and sisters, my flesh and my countrymen. You see, Paul loved people so much that he was willing to die for them. And that's an insane thing to think about, right? And I think a lot of us, as we grow older, you know, as, as I was a selfish college kid, I'm like, I ain't dying for nobody. You know, like, I got, I got a life to live. I got things I want to do. Like, I want to excel. Like, if it's me and this guy, like, it's definitely that guy. Like, I, I, I had a selfishness about me because I didn't really have a lot of things and a lot of people that were completely attached to me. And then I got married. And I was like, well, this might change some things. Because if it's between me and her, well, I, I love my wife so much that I would die for my wife, for sure. And then your first child's born, right? And you're like, well, this completely changes everything. I would die for my kids. I love my kids to death. And Paul makes that point here to say that he would die for people. But what people, I think, sometimes forget, and they don't really look into this verse, is Paul doesn't just say that he would die for people. Paul says essentially that he would be willing to be cursed and go to hell for people. Now that's a different story. <laughs> like that's a different story for me because like I love my wife and I love my kids, but I'm like, is it worth my salvation? You know, is it worth my eternal destination? I don't know. I would love to say with a clear conscience that yes, like I would want to go to hell for my family, but like that's a, that's a lot easier said than done, you know? Um, but that's the extreme that Paul was willing to go. And I don't think God wants us to live a life with us just feeling like that we need to go to hell to save people. Like, I don't think that's the message of the Bible. But I think that he is trying to describe and put into, put into a comprehension for us to realize how important this message is to be shared with people. It has to be shared so deeply and so so vastly among the people that are around us that it is our number one priority because of how important it is to let people know about God's kingdom. And so if we're going to be a church that continues the story, this has got to be our top priority, is that no matter what's going on, we have to make sharing the gospel our number one priority. Next, we have to become a person who understands what the gospel involves. We have to understand what the gospel involves. We can't share something that we don't really know what it is, right? Like we have to understand, like we have to buy into this. We have to know what's going on in scripture. I talked about this in the children's class today. It's kind of like, you know, when, whenever like a kid like has like a pocket full of like M&Ms and, and Skittles and stuff, and they've been, it's been a sunny day, you know, they've been sitting in there settling for a while, you know, and they find some kid on the playground like, hey, you want some? It's good. It's good. And they look at that hand and it's got different colors all over it and you can't tell what's what. And that kid's like, what is it? And you're like, I don't know, but it's good. You know, eat some, eat some. You know, that's I think is a lot of times what happens when we're in the church. We say, hey, you want some Jesus? It's good. It's good. And they're like, well, what is it? What, what does it entail? What's about it? I don't know, but I've been, I've been around for a while. That's pretty good. You should have some, you know, you should. And, and that's the Bible thumpers that we catch, right? That's the people that go to the streets and like, get Jesus in your life. Jesus will save you. Jesus, we'll see you later. And then you hear it and you know that there is a news that is good, but you have no idea what it is. You don't understand it. 
And I think if we're going to be a church that continues a story, we can't just be going out and shouting to our friends that we have a relationship with God if we don't know how to explain it and how to give it to them in a way that it can impact their lives too. It's got to be not just good for us, but in a way that they understand how it can be good for them as well. Look at what he says here in Acts 28, 23. It says, he told them about God's kingdom. That's him sticking his hand in his pocket and giving them something, right? But then what does it say? And explained it to them. Two different things there. Giving and explaining. Two different things. I believe most churches on Sunday mornings like to give God's word to people. But there are not a lot of churches in the world that like to explain it. There are not a lot of people in the world that will will take their time throughout their weeks to sit down with people and explain what's going on. But more so, there's a lot of churches that like to get people there to give it to them to maybe get something back. More success, more status, more money in the collection plate, more seats, you know, more butts in the seats. I think there's a lot of other motives on Sunday mornings with people giving the message. But the reality is, is that a lot of times they're not really getting anything out of it. And if we're going to be a church that looks at that, we have to make sure that that's our top priority as well, is understanding what the gospel involves. Because of two reasons. One, I shouldn't embrace what I don't understand. And thinking about this for us first, but then thinking about how we would give this to somebody else, I should not, I should not embrace what I don't understand because you wouldn't, right? Why would you embrace something that you don't understand? Why would you buy into something that you have no idea what it is or how it works? And then also, I can't teach what I don't understand. How are you supposed to continue the legacy? How are you supposed to make the wheel keep rolling if you don't know how to teach it? If you don't know what it is or what it means in the first place? Sometimes it's like a Bible, it's kind of like a newspaper, right? Like the good news, like literally that's what the gospel is. Like if you want to know another name for the gospel, if you want to know a translation of different words, you would say good news. And so if you think of it like that, it's almost like a newspaper, right? If the good news is in the newspaper, I could hand a newspaper off to one of you guys and say, you now have the good news. But you have a couple choices now. Now that you have the good news, you have a newspaper You can take the time to read it and figure out why it's so good. Or you can just say, I have the good news and not read it at all and hand it off to somebody else and be like, now you have the good news. And we can just pass around this whole room and I can literally hold this newspaper and hand it from person to person to person and everyone has touched the good news. And then once it gets to the back, I can say, so what was the good news? And not one of you guys would know because nobody took the time to understand it. Nobody took the time to read it. Nobody took the time to figure out how to give it. And I think so many times, that's what happens in churches. It's not a newspaper we pass around, it's a Bible. And we don't take the time to get into it. We don't take the time to read it. We don't take the time to understand it. And why would we think people that aren't a part of God's family would want to embrace that? Or would want to try to understand that? Because it takes... It takes something from us to be able to give them something different. In Galatians 1.9, it says, As we said before, so I now say again, if anyone is preaching to you from a gospel different from or contrary to what you received, let them be accursed. A curse is you know, no big deal. It just pretty much means doomed for eternal punishment. <laughs> you know, it's not a big deal. But that's what happens. That's what, that's what it says should happen to people who take God's word and change it from what they originally heard in the first place. I think that's the problem in churches today. I think that's a huge issue in what we're, what we're trying to do. When we, look at the, when we look at the Acts church, I think over time, the churches from the time of Acts to where we stand today have passed the good news around like a newspaper. And it has went down from generation to generation to generation. And now we are at the place where we're at in life today where you look around in, the, in America and you will see a thousand different churches with a thousand different doctrines. You'll see a thousand different churches with a thousand different beliefs. 
you will see churches adopting and accepting certain things that are literally against the Bible. They contradict what the Bible says. Things that we look at very clearly says the, the Bible literally says you should not do this. You should not accept this. You should not, you, this is sin. And there are churches in America today that will read those verses and be like, that's not sin. And I look, I'm like, how, how did we get here? How did we get here as Christians? You know? And what I truly believe is happening is the newspaper effect. We've just passed down knowledge, not based on God's word, based on our own thoughts and our own beliefs and our own systems. And now we have hundreds of doctrines, not because they're scripturally based, but because a couple people at some point in life were like, I think it means this because I feel this way about it. Boom, new denomination. Well, I don't really like that way. There's this way that like, it's more accepting of what's going on in my context and in my culture. And it's, you know, we'll find a couple of Bible verses to maybe verify a couple of things. But like, this is, this is how I feel we should live out God's word. Boom, new denomination. And it, we can just go on and on and on. And you see all these traditions in the church. And like, where did that even come from? There's no scripture on why you do this in your church. Where does it come from? It's the newspaper effect. Just, it's just handed down from time to time and nobody's really reading it. They just know it's news and it's good. And I think if we're going to be a church that continues the story, we've got to know the gospel. We've got to know the news. We've got to understand it in a way that we can communicate it. And if you don't know the gospel, I'm going to give you a short little overview of it in five minutes. Okay? So here's the bare bones of the gospel, of the good news. The gospel involves a kingdom. The gospel involves a kingdom. That's those under charge. A kingdom is a group of people. That is you guys. <laughs> you know, that is us. That is Christians. The kingdom is us. The gospel involves us. Those people under rule. If you call yourself a Christian or a disciple or if you follow God, you are under a rule. Well, if the gospel involves a kingdom... It says in Matthew 24, 14, and this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world. It doesn't say the kingdom is the entire world. It says that there is a kingdom that is going to communicate with the entire world. We are the kingdom, and our responsibility is to communicate with the world about that kingdom. Okay? The gospel, if it has a kingdom, well, then the gospel must also involve a king. That's the one in charge. You can't have a kingdom without both of those things. Nobody's a king of nothing, right? So there's got to be a king. That's Jesus. So we have the story in the gospel. We have a kingdom. That's us. We have a king. That's Jesus. That's who's in charge, right? So now we have two facts about Scripture. Well, where's the story at then? If it's, if it's about an individual and it's about a kingdom, what makes Scripture so great? What makes it so awesome? What makes it such a cool story that we should be able to read and it should carry on for generations? Well, the gospel involves salvation. That's the result of trusting the king. That's the story. That's what makes the Bible so awesome. Is that we have, a, we have a story that we get to tell of a kingdom, which is us, that serves a king, which is Jesus, that provides a story of how that king saves his kingdom. It's an action story. It's a love story. It's, it's a story that shows how much he was willing to go to save his people. And the kingdom is meant to share that story with the world to bring them in as well. That's literally the bare bones of the entire good news of the gospel. That's it. The rest of the story is to, is to show us how we belong in that kingdom to, to give us application on how to live it out in our lives, to give us instruction on how to show it to other people. Everything else in Scripture is surrounded by that greatest story ever told. And that's really what the gospel involves. It's not rocket science. It's just a really cool story. 
It's just a really awesome story that everyone should know about. And for us that are in that kingdom, it should motivate us to want to go find other people to bring them into that story as well. Our whole lives can be dedicated to giving people that same story. Because it is an awesome story. And so if we're going to be this kind of church that continues this story, we have to know the story and be excited about the story. That was one of the things I was talking about in our children's classroom today when I was doing my first service this morning, was I challenged our our children's ministry to be more engaged and more energetic and more excited about this story because kids cling on to anything that's exciting. You know, like if you have kids or you've been around kids, there are so many things in the media right now, so many things in culture that kids get excited about. I have three girls, so like they're not really excited about like cool things. (laughs) They're excited about girl things, you know, like they're excited about like all these Disney princesses and they love like descendants and zombies and all these different shows. And I'm here like, let's just do something cool for once. Let's find like a show that we can like watch together that's like awesome or, you know, and it's like they just want to sing and dance. And I'm like, all right, where's mom? (laughs) Like bring her in, you know, and it's not something that I'm excited about, but my kids are excited about, you know, and Our culture and our media knows how to make our kids excited about things because it makes them money, right? If they can catch our kids, they catch our wallets, right? Yeah, a lot of you guys are like, preach, I just got, I'm trying to recover from Christmas still, you know, because all the stuff that my kids are trying to get. And it's, it's crazy that we live in a world that we can let the world control our kids more than we control our kids. It's crazy that we live in a world that our kids can essentially be more excited and enticed to follow things of the world than be more excited and enticed to follow the greatest story ever told. And I think it's because, if I'm challenging myself in this comment, I think it's because we as grown-ups are not excited about the greatest story ever told like we should be. Because if we were, it would exhume out of us in a way that our kids would want to catch on to that so much more than anything else that the culture's throwing at them. If I went home and I was excited so much about the story and I continued to communicate it to my kids and I made it such a passionate thing about my life and they saw it outburst in all my day-to-day activities and everything I did in life, my kids would catch on to that and be like, that is awesome. That is an awesome story. And I'm so glad that one day I get to be a part of that. And one day God is going to look at me and he's going to save me just like he saved you. And I'm going to be able to go out to my schools and save my friends. And that story is going to be continued just like the book of Acts continues it. But what do we do instead? We go home and we gripe about our job and how much it sucks or how much money we don't get from our job or whatever shows that we get enticed in at home. Our kids catch on to what we are most excited about. Sports, I'm guilty of that. I'll go home and be super excited about a game and I'll get on and I'll I'll watch it and I'll be jumping and, and hollering and stuff. And then when I come to church, I'm like, (laughs) <laughs> like, I'm like, I'm like, I'm barely engaged, you know, and, and my kids read that and they know what I'm excited about and what I'm not. And if, if I'm challenged by that, I'm sure you can be, too. I'm sure you guys can look at your guys' lives and look at and look at what you are excited about throughout the week. And you can ask yourself, am I a person who makes the greatest story ever told? an exciting and passionate thing that drives my life? Or do people in my life see something more exciting and important in my life? You see, Paul made sure that whatever Paul did in his life, this was the greatest priority, was sharing this story. And people knew that. And I want to challenge myself to be like that, but I know that this church is going to need to be challenged as well. Most of the things that I preach on come straight out of weakness that I'm not doing very well at. And most of the people around me would probably agree and understand that I spend my time throughout my week with. But it is something that I truly am trying to to focus on and be better at. And I think that our church, if we can rally around this and do this together, we could be a church that changes the culture around us, that turns the world upside down like it talks about in Acts 17. That people would notice what we are and how excited we are about those things. 
So that's our second point. Our third one is that if we're going to be like this church and continue the story, we need to know what you need to know what my responsibility is and what my responsibility isn't. What my responsibility is and what it isn't. How many of you guys are control freaks in here? Like you want to be in charge, right? That's that's me for sure. Like I hate giving off any responsibility. Like I, you know, the whole like if if you want something done right, do it yourself. That's me. You know, like that's what that's what I live by. You know, and I hate that because it's literally, you know, it's not in scripture. So I have to like fight against it because he wants me to teach and train other people to raise them up and 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 give the next generation. I'm like, why? I can do it. I can do it myself. You know, I'm like, no, you can't, because one day you're going to be dead, and somebody's got to be able to carry the torch beyond you. And I'm like, I didn't really think of that, you know? But we have to be somebody that knows what our responsibility is and what it isn't. And when we want to control things, a lot of times, like, we want to make, like, to-do lists of, like, what we need to get done in life, what we want to achieve. But sometimes as Christians, we have to make a not-to-do list, you know? What we are not to do because it's not our responsibility. What is that we are not supposed to be doing because we don't want to waste our time on those things? And so if we need to know what our responsibility is and what it isn't, first... I know it is my responsibility to share the truth in love. Now, I want you to circle in love after you write that down, because this is, this is a two-piece. You have to be able to share the truth. That is your responsibility to share this story, to share the greatest story ever, to share the gospel. That is your responsibility. But you also have a responsibility and how you share it. And you can't ever forget that. It says, in Ephesians 4.15, it says, God wants us to grow up. Maturity is a great mark of how you communicate in your language. Your language and how you talk is a great mark of your maturity and how you communicate with other people. And he says, God wants us to grow up, to know the whole truth, and tell it in love. You see, for a lot of us, sharing the truth is no big deal. But how we share it and to who we share it with is where we kind of stumble. I don't know about you guys, but I have difficult people in my life. (laughs) I have frustrating people in my life. I have people that I just want to punch the mess of the Bible in their face because I'm like, your life sucks. You know, like, you are not happy. You are not in a good place. And I just want to take this Bible and just knock you out with it so that you get this because it's so frustrating to watch you live the way that you live. That is not a good way to share the good news in love. You know, like, that is not going to get somebody to be like, you're so right. I feel so supported and so encouraged. And I see what your life is like. I want to be, that is more of the, you think you're better than me, huh? You think you're better than me. You think, you think, you think you're so much smarter than me, you know? You're so self-righteous. You're so holier than thou. There is, there is a purpose in why Scripture tells us that the way we communicate is just as important as what we communicate when it comes to God's Word. And I think that that's something we have to remember as we talk and we share God's Word with people is it makes sense that we wouldn't want to share this in love It makes sense because the people we're sharing it with typically aren't the most loving people. We're not walking around like, you know how easy it would be if I was like, hey, let's take like a 10-minute break and just find somebody in the room and share God's love with them. You know how easy that would be for us to just get up and walk around and mingle and sit back down like, oh, that was great. Now let's go down to East St. Louis in the streets, you know, for people that we don't know, you know. For people that we just don't have any, any conversations with, or any streets, for example. It doesn't matter where we go, but just somewhere that we, we would deem as a bad neighborhood, you know. And, and we would go into, a, into an area and say, hey, let's take 20 minutes and go find anybody on the street. Anybody that you know, or that you don't know. Share the good news with them. And come back, let's see how we have a talk. I would, I would, I would bet that most of us would come back being like, that was frustrating. <laughs> like, that was difficult. They didn't want to hear what I had to say. <laughs> like, they didn't want anything about that. In fact, I think I got cussed out more than I got encouraged, you know? 
I got, I got threatened more than I got encouraged. Like, I got A, B, and C, and that's because the world around us, the people who need it, are not in a position in life that they want to receive it. But it is our responsibility to share it despite what they're going to say. It is our responsibility to share it in a way that's going to make them feel loved, despite what they've done to us. There's a whole other section there. Okay, it doesn't have to be strangers that we don't know that are hurting and broken and lost. What about the people that we know the closest? What if I said, let's not go to the streets. Let's not go to people you don't know. Why don't you guys go back home? What if it was like Christmas? What about your Christmas dinner when all your family gets together? Why don't you take that time to share the good news? That, to me, in my personal family, is harder to share and love <laughs> than any other time. Sometimes it's easier to talk to strangers in a loving way than people that you've known your whole life. Right? Anybody, anybody agree with that? That it's like, man, my family members that I've known my whole life, I just want to be like, you don't know me? <laughs> like, you don't know, you don't know, you don't know what God's got in life for you. Like, and I want to, I just want to yell it and I just want to be like, this is something that you need to change, something that you need to do, this is something, and I just want to, I'm like, it's so frustrating because I've known you for like however long I've been alive. You know, like you still don't want to change. And I think even in that context, that's even more important to how to speak the truth in love. I've burned a lot of bridges over the years with some of my family members because of how I've tried to communicate in my younger, more aggressive years of my walk, you know. Thank the Lord that he talks about growing up here because I was a very immature Christian at the beginning. And I think a lot of times, and if I'm speaking to students here, for you guys, for you guys visiting our church, we're not a generational church yet. And that means we don't have generations of disciples in our churches. We're, we're a church that's more called a restoration church. And what that means is that we haven't, we haven't been a church that's been established for generations yet. We're a church that's somewhat new, that we are going out to the hurting and lost world, to college students, to high school students, to people in our contexts, in our communities, and we are finding and reaching and saving lost people in hopes that this church will continue that mission while we break cycles and build new generations. That's the kind of church that the Crossings is if you're visiting with us. I want you to know that. But when that time happens, you don't have generations of kids that grow up in children's ministries. You don't have generations of kids who went to church camps, who went to Bible studies, who went to these things throughout the week. You have kids that were abused and neglected and were isolated. You have kids that have been uh, just done so many difficult things in their life and have been through things. And so when you find somebody like that in the world and you change their life completely, there's an expectation that when they go underneath that water, they get baptized and they commit their lives to Christ they do not know a lick of what that means. They know the greatest story ever told, but they don't know how to communicate it yet. They don't know how to mature in it yet, but they're fired up to do it. And I think sometimes, especially in my time in the college ministry, we meet so many kids at SIUE and we baptize so many people, and there are people that we meet that ultimately get turned away because of how our college students communicate to them. And there's a twofold thing there, that one, we hope that people will essentially see and, and have some grace in that communication time, but two, that there is a huge responsibility on new disciples for you guys to grow up and learn how to talk in a loving way, and not just in a self-righteous, ambitious, fired-up way that's going to deter people. And so when we talk about this responsibility being in truth and in love, it's so important for us as a young church, as a young body, to get that. For us to understand, you know, I would say probably 70% of our church is under the age of 30, you know? And with that comes a lot of immaturity. But it's so important for us, if we're going to be this kind of church, if we're going to be the Acts 28 church, if we're going to continue that story we have to make sure that we are communicating in a way that's not going to deter people. Now, what is not our responsibility? Well, it is not my responsibility to determine the response. It is not 
my responsibility to determine the response. That's where the control freaks in the room, like me, get so frustrated with Scripture. Because we feel like if we do everything right, if we do A and B, it should equal C. We've controlled the situation. We've done everything we've been asked. We do it exactly the way that God wants us to. So we should expect the result, right? But that's not our responsibility. It's not our control. Here's what Paul says in Acts 28, 24 through 28. It says, some believe what he said, others did not. You know, as soon as you hear that, you're like, oh, crap. Like, <laughs> this ain't going to be good moving forward as you, as you start reading through this passage. Some believe what he said, others did not. They didn't agree with each other. They began to leave after Paul had made a final statement. He said, the Holy Spirit was right when he spoke to you people long ago. Through Isaiah the prophet, the Spirit said, go to your people Say to them, you will never hear, or you will hear, but never understand. You will see, but never know what you are seeing. These people's hearts have become stubborn. They can barely hear with their ears. They have closed their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes. They might hear with their ears. They might understand with their hearts. They might turn, and I would heal them. Here is what I want you to know. God has sent his salvation to his people who are not Jews, and they will listen. You see, Paul pretty much comes in and is like, man, this is what Isaiah said all the time. I knew this was going to happen. <laughs> That's pretty much what he says to these people. He's like, I knew this was going to happen. This is what Isaiah said. He said you all weren't going to listen. He said you all weren't going to agree with me. He said all these things about you. But yet, here I am, wasting my words. I could be somewhere else, but here I am wasting my words. Even though he knew that was going to be their response, And how difficult must that have been? You know how frustrating it would be for me to be like, hey, I know for 100% certainty that you are not going to win the lottery this week. But I need you to go and buy $100 worth of tickets just because. But I know for sure this is not going to happen, but I'm asking you to go do this anyway. Most of us would be like, yeah, I'm not doing that. <laughs> I, I got my, my money can be better spent elsewhere, you know? But here's the thing. That's kind of what happened here, was Paul knew this was going to be their response. He refers back to Isaiah saying this is what was prophesied. He, he knew that this was going to happen. But yet he did this because he was choosing to honor a verse to tell the good news despite And I think that is sometimes our problem as well, is that we have to give people the opportunity to reject it. We have to give people the opportunity to say no, and we cannot be so self-righteous and arrogant to be like, I'm not going to talk to that person because I know what their answer is going to be. We can't be that. That's not biblical. That's not our responsibility. Our responsibility is to say it to them. God's responsibility is to change their heart. God's responsibility is to work within them. We are just the planters, but God is the waterer. But if there's never a seed planted, the water makes no sense. We have got to spend our lives planting seeds despite if the water changes them or not. And Paul knew that. And Paul knew that there was going to be a response sometimes. And if you spent any time in ministry, if you spent any time trying to seek and save the lost, you will realize that you have a higher rejection rate than you do a success rate. It is just biblical. If there is any church, I've said this for years, if there is any church that is growing God's kingdom faster than Jesus did, there's something wrong in that church. They are doing something wrong. You know, There's some kind of like get rich quick scheme or get, you know, whatever, something going on in that church that is building the body of believers much faster, much quicker than Jesus did. It don't make no sense. In fact, Jesus said the opposite, right? He said this gate is narrow. He said it's going to be harder. You're going to find more rejection. The world is going to hate you. It's not going to be a high success rate job. But it is the greatest story ever told. 
It'd make me want to continue to say it, despite the rejection rate. And Paul knew that. And the church grew because of that, despite the masses of people that rejected it. But for us to be like that church, we had to know what we are in control of and what we aren't. We are in control of sharing this message in truth and sharing it in love, but we are not in control of who receives it. We are not in control of who wants to take it and run with it and grow with it. And then lastly, if we're going to continue this church, we have to determine to never abandon the mission. I have to determine to never abandon my mission. And this is where we get our first for the theme for the year. This is where it all drives from. We've read everything that's led up to this point, and this is what our power verse is. This is what our, this is what our, our, our verse for the year is that we're going to stick with and we're going to run with because we see what Paul did. Now that we know the context of this verse, this verse has so much more power to it. This is literally right after he gets rejected by all these people and he knew it was going to happen exactly right after that happens. What does Paul say in Acts 28, 30 through 1? What, what do they say about him? It says, for two whole years, Paul still stayed there in a house he rented. It, it, it is more, it's, it's most likely that Paul was under house arrest and he had to use his own money to rent this place and he probably had a guard by him. But like in the midst of not having all of this success. He was being rejected. People were, people were laughing at him. People didn't want anything to do with him. They didn't agree with him. What does he do? He spends two more years there and rents a house and he welcomed all who came to see him. What did he do while he was there? In verse 31, he preached boldly about God's kingdom. No one could keep him from teaching the people about the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, some churches take a church theme and they want, to, they want to cast a vision for a year about how much success they're going to have. And usually we would hope that maybe there'd be like another sentence on here that was like, and so many more disciples were made. And we could kind of, we could kind of like plan on that point, right? We want to find a sentence that was like, what's the product going to be? You know, he preached boldly about it. No one could keep him from teaching. And, and so many people were saved, right? We want that sentence to be at the end of this. But that's not our control. That's not something we get to choose. This year, I want us to be a church that does just this and only this. And we let God take control of what happens because of us doing this. I want us to be a church that preaches boldly about God's kingdom and nobody can keep us from teaching people about Jesus. Nobody can change what we want to do. with our, Nobody can change our vision, our direction. I don't care the results. I'm going to leave that to God. I don't care the success. We can maybe just change one person's life this year as a church. I don't, if that's what God wanted us to do, then that's what God wanted us to do. But I'm not going to sit here and be like, here's our, here's our, here's our, here's our pie chart of if we do this many you know, studies this year and this many baptisms, then we should have this. I don't care about any of that stuff this year. I think we need to focus as a church on what God is telling us to do and only do. And that's to never stop telling people about the greatest story ever told. We don't need to hear anything else. We don't need to hear any other contingencies. We don't need to hear any other promises. We don't need to hear any other things that can happen if we do this. All we need to do is just this. And let's see what kind of results God could give us. Let's dream for what that could look like. Hebrews 12.1 says, Do you see what this means? All these pioneers who blazed the way, all these veterans cheering us on, it means we'd better get on with it, strip down, start running, and never quit. You see, this year, I want, us to be, I want this to be a year that the Crossing Church takes this stuff seriously, that we continue the story in Acts, and we become that church that starts something for the next generation, that this church, we will need another church soon. That we will be planting churches from our own congregation because we can look back five or ten years down the road and we planned five or ten churches and we can say one day, and you know, let's pick some random place, uh, let's say Texas for example. We plant a church down in Texas and somebody in ten years down there in Texas is like, how did this church start? And they're going to say, well in 2023, 
The Crossings Church in Collinsville did a yearly thing on continuing the story in the book of Acts 28. And that's how I got to meet you today. How cool would that be? How cool would it be for us five or ten years down the road to be a just, just look completely different, to plant churches faster than we ever have, to grow our ministries faster than we ever have, to build buildings faster than we ever have, to have the kind of expansion in our communities that God wants us to have, that people will look at us like in Acts 16 or Acts 17 and say, that church is turning the world upside down, and we get to be a part of that. And we can be a part of that. But it's going to take us to be pioneers of that. It's going to take us to, 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 to lead the way. It's going to take you veterans in the, world, in the room. And when I say veterans, I'm not just talking about old timers. You know, like, I'm not just talking about the people in the room who are in age older. I think a lot of times I say this as well. But when the Bible refers to veterans, I don't think a lot of times it's talking about your age. I think it's talking about spiritual veterans. For some of you guys in the room, you have been a Christian longer than some of the older people in this room. And for us to make this a pace, the veterans, spiritual veterans, who have been disciples longer, have got to step up and set the pace because you know what it should look like. For you younger folks, whether you're, you know, 14 or, you know, 60, you're younger, you know. Maybe you'll come back because I, I said you're younger, you know. Um, it's going to take you guys to have be fired up and be excited about this mission, to be excited about this story, to figure out what you need to know more about the story, to read into the story, to be excited and engaged in this story in your life, to be like, this is going to transform me first and foremost, and it's going to excite me to go and tell other people about this. I want to change my family. I want to give my family something about the story. I want to share the story with my family in a way that it changes their lives. In so many years, I've tried to just change their lives. But the reality is I haven't used this story to change my life in a way that can be communicated in truth and love. I think a lot of you guys in this room have a great desire to change some people in your families. You dream for, for there not to be broken families anymore. You dream for kids to not have two different Christmases to have to go to between parents. You dream for the brokenness to be restored. You dream for those things just like I dream for those things. And the reality is, is that when we can choose to make this story something that seeps within our hearts and we can live it out in our own lives, people will see the story through us. And people will be motivated and they will see the light in us and they will see the change in us despite our backgrounds, despite where we've come from, and say, that doesn't add up. You shouldn't be the person that you are because of your background, because of your environment. What's different? Well, let me share with you the greatest story ever told. Let me share with you what God has done with me and this kingdom that I'm a part of and that he's fighting for, and you can be a part of that too. Let's be a church that does that and only that this year, and let's see what God can do with it. In your communication cards, um, or in your guys' bulletins today, there's a communication card that I'd like you guys to pull out. Um, this, is our, this is our way for you guys to respond here at the church. Um, and I'd like for everybody to pull that out. And I would, I would encourage you guys to take a bold step this year and fill this out today. This is, this is, this is your response to the greatest story ever told. What are you going to do with that? What are you going to do with the story of Jesus being a king and you're a part of his kingdom, or you want to be a part of his kingdom. How is that going to change your life? For some of you guys, you may look through this note, and you may think that there are some things that you've dealt with your whole life that you just don't know how to change. You have some kind of habits, or you have some kind of addictions, or you have some kind of struggle in your life that you have just never been able to, to get over that hump to be able to change. And I'm telling you right now, like I said, we're a restoration church. We have people in our church who have who have been in prison. We have people in our church that have been drug addicts. We have people in our church who have been abused. Like we have people who have had those struggles and they have grown up like the scripture have said and they are maturing and learning how to give that help to other people. Indicate on this card that you could use some help in those support services, whatever, whatever it may be. If you just don't have community and you're like, this kingdom sounds great, but I go home to myself. I don't have a family. I don't have a community around me. Well, check you'd like to know more about our small groups and figure out how you get connected to this kingdom, to these people that will have your back. 
You know, I played sports. I played sports my whole life. Um, and one of the greatest things that I loved about being on a sports team is so many people having your back. I loved people having my back. That no matter what happened on the court, they were going to have my back. No matter what happened on the field, they had my back. And that's what the kingdom is as well. If you're going through a struggle, if you're going through a hard time, you have people that want to have your back. You just got to jump in with them. You just got to be there for them. And so I don't know where you guys are out on this communication card, but I encourage you guys to fill this out. If you just kind of want to know more, like I talked about with the scriptures today, and you're like, I don't know enough about the, the good news. I don't know what the scriptures are like. I don't know. Well, we can give you some bare bone things because we actually are offering a one-on-one class in a couple weeks. If you guys see that in your guys' bulletins as well. This one-on-one class pairs perfectly with what I'm talking about today because like I talked about, there are so many different churches that have so many different denominations and so many different thoughts. This is your time to understand what we believe as a church and everything the scripture says to back that up. If you want to know what our church is about, if you want to know about joining this church as being a member of this church, come to this class, sign up for this class. There's some things on the back that will show you how to get involved with this. It's free. You can just show up and we're going to sit here and we're describe this is what the church wants to do. This is what we believe. This is what scripture says and this is how we're going to apply it as a member and as a body of this church. And if you want to know what that looks like, sign up for this class, please. For you guys, your kids, our student ministries, our high schoolers, and our college students just got back from a thing called family vacation. Was that a good time? Woo! It was great. Whoa, yeah. <laughs> uh, or Nife, I saw you in the front doing that. Yep. Sister, sister. Yep. I mean, you guys look the same. You got the, you got the long hair. It's just the glasses on. Oh, you don't have glasses on today. Not today. Not today. Not the old lady glasses. Um, they just got back from a retreat. And I'm telling you guys, it was so cool to be down in Florida with 350 college and high school students from around the nation pumped up and fired up about the theme was God's dream for their lives and what they could do to achieve God's dreams through their own application and what God could dream for other people's lives because of what God could do in their lives. And I've already seen, at least in the campus ministry over the last week and a half or so, how motivated and pumped up they have been to go to campus and meet new people, to go and plan events and hangouts to get people involved And so our student ministries are very active here. I'm actually not the preacher here. Um, I'm the campus minister. I work with our college students. I'm just up here every once in a while uh, just because I am. I don't know. (laughs) Um, But, yeah, I don't know. They just throw me on stage every once in a while and say, hey, say some stuff. And so um, I work with our student ministries. And our student ministries are super fired up, and they want to continue to do these things. We actually have a junior high retreat coming up. Uh, at the Lake of the Ozarks for our junior high kids. We want to make sure that our kids are getting the same things that we're getting as adults. But in that same statement, we want to make sure that our adults are getting the same things that our kids are. And so there are small groups available for our adults as well. So I don't know where you guys are at, but I encourage everyone, if you want to be a part of this greatest story, if you want to be a part of this mission and you want to be a part of this church and our mission this next year, please fill out this card and we will get connected with you. We will do everything we can to make this family, make this kingdom the biggest powerhouse that changes the world around us by our culture and by what we do within this building. And I'm so excited to see what this next year can bring because of the hearts and the individuals in this room that take this story seriously and how you guys can connect to that in your own individual way. Okay, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to say a prayer and I'm going to give you guys some time to fill out that communication card and we're going to sing a song. And then after we sing that song, we're actually going to sing a second song that we're going to pass the baskets, okay? And when we pass baskets here at the Crossings Church, I want you guys to know if you are not a member of our church, we don't want you guys to put money in. You can if you want. It's not expected. It's not that our money's better than you, but we don't try to get guests here to take your money to try to get things out of you. We want to give you something, and that's an opportunity. And so when those baskets go by and you're visiting with us, I want you to not put in money, but I want you to put that card in there. And that will give us an opportunity to look into your life, to find some people to connect with, and just give you something so much greater um, than, than, than I could give myself, to give you something so much greater that God wants to give you. So I'm going to say a prayer, and then uh, we'll have the worship team come up and sing that song. God, I just want to thank you so much uh, for the greatest story ever told. Um, it's something I know I need to be challenged by with my family and my home to be more excited about. There's so many things in the, in the world that I want to be excited about that do excite me. Just having a sport background, just being able to play sports my whole life, I I get excited about those things. But God, I I know I'm continually challenged to be excited about the one story that matters the most. And so God, I pray that as our church moves on this year and as we start this new theme of 
continuing the story of the greatest church in Acts. Uh, God, I pray that we can choose to, to look at that story and look at what happened through the book of Acts. And over the next couple of weeks, look at your kingdom and, and how we become a part of that and what that looks like for us in our lives and just what this church can be moving forward, Lord. So I thank you for your son. I thank you for the king. I thank you for the time that we have within our, within our body, Lord. And I pray all this in your son's name. Amen.